Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 18, The Light. Yay! I didn't remember this one. No. Surprise. I do remember this one because I used it in video. Oh, wait, you did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I should have recognized it then. What part mm-hmm. did you use? Uh, when Daniel's on the balcony and then Jack carries him through the gate. Those two oh, things. Oh, crap. Usually I pick that stuff out and that's like the mm-hmm. only reason why I remember these. <laughs> I even missed that one. Oh, yep. man. Yep. All right. Okay. Um, also, I'm getting over cold, so uh, please excuse my, my my as as our friend Karen said, please excuse my Kathleen Turner voice for this episode. <laughs> I will not. I think you should auto-tune yourself when you re-edit this later. I'm not sure I know how to do that, so we'll just deal with whatever it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, before we get into the specifics of this episode and go through everything, just a brief warning for anybody listening. Uh, this episode will include discussions of addiction, depression, and suicide. If this is something you or someone you love struggle with, please check out the show notes for resources. We care, and there are people out there that want to help yes yes very much so yeah this is for as (laughs) light pun not intended this episode is it's actually really kind of quite heavy in places like the opening scene they don't really mince what's going on really yeah no and it like hits you in the face it comes out of nowhere it kind of really does yeah yeah Mm -hmm. all right uh so shall we get into it let's do okay So this episode originally aired on January 26th, 2001. It was written by James Phillips and directed by Peter West, who is usually a director of photography. He took over the main directing duties this week. And on the commentary, we had Peter, James Titchener, and Andy Makito, who's one of the production managers. Although I don't think he actually said anything other than introducing himself. (laughs) So I really only heard Peter and James talking, so... Uh, yeah, I'm not contributions sure to the commentary were all facial expressions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Unless his voice was just too similar to somebody else's and I couldn't quite tell them apart. So ah. I don't know. All right. um, and in this episode, SG-1 travels to a planet to investigate a machine that induces narcotic pleasure. But when they try to leave the planet, they are overcome with debilitating withdrawal symptoms, forcing them to stay. Can they free themselves from this addiction before it consumes them utterly? I'm going to go with yes. I mean, I would hope so. Otherwise, the show would just end here. (laughs) (laughs) I do love how all of these are like, can they get out of this sticky situation? Will they be okay? Probably yes, because this is not the finale. Yes. (laughs) It's like, most likely yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and then when we get to the actual last episode, it's just, and they go on. (laughs) And there we go. And there we go. (laughs) Um, Okay. So this episode starts with Jack coming down into the control room where Sam and Barber are waiting to head off world. Jack gives Barber a few bucks to give to Daniel for winning a bet. Uh, uh, on apparently bet on curling. Mm, yep, that's right. that's yes. right. Yes, the, the yeah. big bond spiel, which is mm-hmm. just the the official name for a curling tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barbara then heads down to the gate room, which Sam and Jack following a bit after. We see Barbara enter the gate room, and he's he's kind of staring very very intensely at the gate as it continues its dialing sequence. 
Sam asks Jack again if he's sure he wants time off rather than going to see this place because apparently, apparently Daniel has said it's like very cool. He's like, yep, uh-huh, I'm good and blah, blah, blah. And he was, you know, he's like, I was pretty sure you would want the time off too because, you know, we've been going for a while. And oh my God, that was the bet. It wasn't curling. They bet on whether Sam would actually go <laughs> off world or not. <laughs> I love how she figures it out while she's talking, like you just said. Yeah. It, like, and, and, oh my oh, God, my. that was it. You bet on me? Yes, we bet on. Of course, they bet on you, Carter. Come on. That's and I can. The thing is, I can totally see them doing that too. Like, yeah, it's totally believable. But um, but then before Jack can respond, we hear seventh chev seventh chevron or chevron seven it's chevron why can't i say that chevron chevron seven locked and barber runs up the ramp into the kawoosh and is killed and oh holy crap and everyone is just stunned and don't even know what just happened and just cannot believe it yeah because the only yeah the only I, the only other time we saw this was in that episode, Prisoners, when you, the prisoners thought there was no other means of escape. So, like, something, some, something's going on. Because yeah. that's not, like, normal behavior for people. No. So we come back from the opening credits, and apparently Daniel and the rest of the team that was off-world has been recalled uh, back at the to the SGC. And Daniel comes down the ramp and kind of starts rambling to Jack about like what's on the other planet. And oh my God, it's so amazing. And Jack's like, hey, Barber's dead. And that kind of like shocks Daniel out of his rambling of like, wait, what? Huh? What? what? So yeah. So up in the briefing room, they're trying to figure out what may have caused Barber to do this, but no one has any answers. According to Daniel, he was totally fine on the mission off world. He was only on Earth for less than two days, and it was just to get some help from Tilk on a translation. He seemed totally fine to everybody at the SGC. Like, no one noticed anything amiss with his behavior or demeanor or anything. Uh, they'll keep investigating, but as Hammond says, unfortunately, in situations like this, there often isn't an answer. Um, which is true, which unfortunately. Is, yes, sadly, sadly very true. Uh, Hammond then asks Daniel to tell them more about this palace he was studying, and according to Daniel, it's definitely abandoned, but there was this one room that had a light matrix hologram projected onto the ceiling that was just, like, so beautiful and amazing, wonderful, and awesome thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, no definite ideas about its purpose, but he brought back a small handheld device that he's hoping it might be like a little computer thing that might be able to tell them more, but it's an Agul dialect that he's never seen before, along with some of like the writings like in the palace are also in this like obscure Agul dialect. Luckily, Tilk is willing to help him out with translating everything. Uh, Jack then enters Daniel's office where Tilk is reviewing some of Daniel's recordings, and we see Daniel kind of pacing around like looking through books and kind of it appears like he's getting like frustrated at something like he's like leafing through books, putting stuff down, picking stuff up. And Tilk thinks he's noticed someone in the background that doesn't appear to be uh, of the SGC personnel. And in the background, Daniel yells out, what's wrong with this thing? And apparently the like the handheld device isn't working. And he's like, I have to go back to pilot now. We got to get it working. And Jack's like, we're going back tomorrow. That's fine. And I was like, no, it's not. I have to go back now. And he like storms off to go talk to General Hammond. Odd behavior. Yes. For like the second episode in a row. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
it, this this episode is a little weird coming right on the heels of absolute power a little yes. bit. Yeah. yeah. But, um, General Hammond correctly denies Daniel's request to head back out to that planet. Like right now, again, tomorrow morning is just fine after Daniel has had a full night's sleep because apparently SG-1's been gone for a while. Like take a, take a beat, have a rest, you can go tomorrow. But again, according to Daniel, that's not good enough. Jack tries to get Daniel out of the office by saying, thank you, sir, tomorrow will be fine. And then Daniel goes, you know, it is beyond my comprehension how anybody like yourself who has so much power can miss the point entirely. It's like, oh, oh, you want to know what the point of this is, Daniel? The point is Hammond has to write a letter to Barber's family about how their son died in service to his country without being able to tell the without being able to tell them anything about what he actually did or how he actually died. Do you get the point now, Daniel? Yes. <laughs> Which I, yeah, Don, Don's acting in that where he's just like, he's, he is in control, like, but nope. like, yeah. Mm, do I'm you not get putting the up with you right now. No. Yes. Uh, and he then orders Jack to get Daniel out of his office and Daniel then like storms off and is like, okay. Mm. So yeah, some, something, something's up with Daniel because this is not normal behavior for him at all. Well, <laughs> well, yes, I, know. I mean, he, he, not to this extreme, we'll say. No. no. Like he, yeah. he is very passionate and will plead his case, but usually if, if the no's continue, he'll be, he, he does eventually agree. So yeah. Yeah. This, this is a bit on the extreme end of Daniel's behavior. Yeah. Yes. I very much think uh my memo comment for today is definitely like the quarantine protocols of when you go to a new planet you come back from a new planet you are held for 24 to 48 hours for observation on all things including like behavior blood levels all this stuff still don't know why they don't do this yes did you did you get the text i sent you the head that screenshot Oh crap! I forget what it said. What did it say? It was basically it's basically that, and it's from like yeah. seven years ago. Okay. <laughs> it was um well I while I was just like googling stuff about this episode, uh, when people act weird when they come back from a mission, put them under observation because they are either one compromised, two going to kill themselves, or three have special knowledge that will save the day. So apparently, and or all of the things, and or all of the above. Yes. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so the next morning, uh, Hammond and SG-1 minus Daniel are in the control room waiting. And uh, Daniel hasn't reported in yet. Uh, Sam tried calling and she thinks he may have picked up, but just gets a busy signal now when she dials. And this is all you, quite puzzling considering how insistent Daniel was yesterday that he leave for this planet ASAP. So Jack's going to go give him a wake up call in person. At Daniel's apartment, the door is cracked open. Jack heads in and you can hear like the busy dial from the phone being off the hook. You can see like some food's been left out on the table. Things are like, like an actual mess, not Daniel's just sort of scatterbrained. I look at a lot of stuff kind of mess. And there's also, you know, the, as, as usual, there's the kettle in the kitchen that's whistling on the stove Yes, as usual like of somebody. Yes. Which indicates somebody was just here or is still here, but is, elsewhere within the you know house or whatever mm -hmm. uh and that 
Jack then spots the open balcony door and he heads over and uh, Daniel is out on the balcony, but on the wrong side of the railing with Mm -hmm. his eyes closed. And uh, Jack approaches very cautiously and Daniel says some stuff about how nothing means anything and it just goes away. And Jack's like, well, come back inside. Maybe we can get it back. And it's like, we can't get it back. And so we can try. And Daniel's like, you don't know what I'm talking about. Jack's like, no, I don't. But let's talk about it inside. And one of the things I talked about on the commentary was like uh, Rick's acting here and how he played it very calm and very easy, you know, not overdoing it, just, you know, trying to keep the calm going. Yes. Um, calm, don't yes. escalate, de-escalate. Yes. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, I don't know what you're, what you're talking about, but let's go back inside, talk about it there. Daniel then seems to, like, snap out of whatever, like, fog he was in, and Jack steps forward to, like, grab his arm, and Daniel looks a little panicked and confused at where he is as Jack, like, keeps the hold of him and is like, okay, we got this. This is, we can we can figure this out now. Also, he was not wearing his glasses. No, they were by the phone, if you noticed, mm-hmm. the, when Jack walked in. Glasses were by the phone. Yeah. Um, so we cut to the infirmary where Daniel is now unconscious and hooked up to all the various machinery that's there. And Dr. Fraser tells them that Daniel's neurological activity is slowing, which is very much not a good thing. And it does seem to be related to what happened with Barber, as the other members of SG-5 are also experiencing almost identical systems. The good news is this doesn't seem to be the result of a contagion. Bad news is this isn't the result of a contagion in the sense that, like, there's nothing in their blood work that would explain such a drastic change in neurological activity uh, so they have no idea why this is happening. Uh, and like all like the mouth readings on the planet were clean. Like there was no radiation. There was nothing in the air, nothing toxic that would explain like what's going on to these people. Which is why quarantine would have been awesome. Yes. Observation. Yes. yes. Uh, Jack mentions that shadow on the video that Tilk was watching and requests that they go back in like appropriate hazmat gear to get samples so they can try and figure out what's going on, whether this person may have done something or the person who's there may know what has happened. There is somebody else on that planet that may have information that is useful in this situation. So SG-1 gets back to the planet uh, in hazmat gear, uh, but the air is fine. So off come the masks. Because <laughs> like, what, apparently whatever no. it was, they didn't breathe it in. Well, do you think if they'd kept the hazmat suits on, they would have been okay? Because it turns out that it kind of... Well, how do they end up ingesting it? It is breathed, right? I don't know if it's breathed or just kind of like osmosis. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, really. Because I mean, we don't end up being something in the air. But I mean, is it like, does it, I don't even remember how they describe it because it's all very kind of vague. Like, does it turn out to be just waves of stuff? They, the thing is, they, they never say. No, they never they, say what it is. No. So it could be some kind of just like radiation and ambient thing that just absorbs into your body. What would they probably should have kept the hazmat suits on? <laughs> I know. Instead of just getting to the other planet and being like, oh, it's fine. You can't see it's anything. Not it's fine. okay. <laughs> no, it's not fine. Although so they probably they... would have freaked out Laurel. Lauren. 
Lauren. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it also makes filming very difficult when you have actors in those big bulky masks. So production. Know, great reason. for Back to the Future. It does. Yes. <laughs> when, when you're trying to pretend you're from another planet, when SG-1 are actually from another planet. So right. Anyway, anyway, um, so they kind of like take up defensive positions around like the columns that are in this like gate room there and they see that shadow kind of flip by um, and then they kind of actually see the person and it's like it's just a boy. So they're like, let's just leave him alone. He's just a little boy. Uh, and they finally find their way to the room with that light thing that Daniel was talking about. And it it really is quite mesmerizing. It's um yeah, the special effect, I think, is just, it's really cool. I like it. It looks really interesting. I, like it. I thought it would have been an interesting angle, though, if if it turned out that, like, the light really was what it was and not, you know, the undertone thing to go with it. I thought it would have been really interesting if we'd never actually see it. Oh, And only heard it described by other people as, like, the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. Mm. And just hmm. kind of make up for ourselves what that could possibly be. And only see, you know, like the reflections of it from another room. Oh, that'd been interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But okay. it actually turn out to be the culprit, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so also it's not, uh, so this device isn't giving off any kind of radiation other than that of like normal visible light. It appears to be purely decorative at this point, mm. from what they can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, though, kind of zones out, staring at it for a bit, when Jack kind of finally shakes himself off and suggests they continue searching, and with some difficulty, he manages to get Tilk and Sam to finally, like, shake out of it and follow him out of the room as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam mentions wanting to do a full spectral analysis on the light. No, she doesn't think it's harmful, but there could still be a connection between the light and what's happening to Daniel and everybody. And uh, they then find the boy from earlier. Jack goes to talk to him. Uh, his name is Lauren. He says he's there by himself as his mother and father are somewhere else. Jack then asks if he might know what's making his friend sick, and Lauren does not. And Jack suggests that Lauren might come with him as they keep looking around. And then we hear Sam over the radio that Hammond has dialed in and is on, like, the mouth radio. Interesting thing that was noticed when I was watching was um, Mm -hmm. Jack is a military dude and he, like, turns his back on the kid. Well, he's a kid. Well, we have encountered kids that are dangerous before. Yeah, that's true. Like, you probably should have made the kid go first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the kids, so how old do you think Lauren is supposed to be, like, the character? Hmm. He probably looked to be, what, like, 14, 15? Yes. 15, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so according to commentary, Lauren is supposed to be, yeah, like, 14, 15. How old do you think the actor is? <laughs> probably, like, early 20s. 23. <laughs> Yay, yep. TV e- teens. Yep. Yep, yep. Lots of makeup, um, lots of shaving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jack and Lauren make their way back to the palace's gate room, and uh, we get some not-so-good news. The rest of SG-5 are now dead. Uh, and Daniel is in a very deep coma, and Dr. Fraser's not sure how much time he has left. And also, SG-1 has been on the planet for well over an hour, not just a few minutes, like Jack had thought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oopsie. That, 
so Jack heads back to the SGC with blood samples for Dr. Frazier, including a sample from Lauren, and Daniel's not doing so good. And we then get a quick cut back to the light room where Sam is trying to sort of set up things to work, but she keeps getting distracted by the light. We then get a really so, fun scene. Sorry. Did I miss if I don't remember whether or not Lauren, like how do they extract samples from Lauren? Was it all SG, SG1 taking samples of themselves and then like sending it back or did they all go back? I don't remember this properly. Um, I'm guessing they sent equipment through to be able to take samples. They took samples on the planet like nobody else came through. Right. Like Sam, Sam probably could do it took blood samples from everybody, and then Jack brought the samples back with him physically. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I was wondering about that, because they talk about going back to Earth later, and I was like, but they have his blood. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay. Um, we then get a cute scene between Tilk and Lauren, where, like, Tilk is trying to get some more information out of him, but, like, Lauren doesn't know anything. Um... Lauren shows Tilk a picture of his parents on a camera, which I like. I love when there's like alien tech that looks like Earth tech, like but yeah. just a little bit weird. Um, I always think that's fun. Um, and then we also get another little gag, like we did a couple episodes ago with Lauren pulling out like a toy phaser and Tilk like drawing that <laughs> on him, but yeah. now it's just a toy. Uh, it was a birthday present from his parents. Um, we do get that like Lauren says his parents were explorers, kind of like SG-1. That's how they came to be on this planet. And we also learn that on Chulak, they don't celebrate birthdays. Yeah, poo. So, but we do learn that Tilk is 101 years old and will be 102 in 47 days. And he looks amazing. He does. And so Lauren tells Tilk to keep his little toy phaser as a birthday present. And like, Tilk looks really happy and pleased about that. And it's very cute. It's very cute. So <laughs> I'm guessing that picture was like the last time that we saw his parents right so i mean he looked pretty little on there like he had been alone for, yeah what, like eight years at least kind of maybe i mean like seven or eight in the photo yeah and like given the condition of the skeletons and that they are skeletons yeah i think i think he's been alone for for quite some time on yeah. this planet yeah so i would love to know how he got you know food yeah all that sort of fun stuff yeah, did did he live on like fish and seaweed? Like, is is he is he now a master sushi Sh sushi chef? Sushi chef. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, too many hard sushi words to say chef. this week. Yeah, sushi chef. Yep. Yes, fish Maybe. fish and seaweed. That's what I'm. Yep. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> uh, so back on Earth in the infirmary, Jack is starting to get a little touchy about the situation and kind of like at Doctor Fraser. Uh, because, you know, his friend is dying in a hospital bed and nobody has any answers about what's going on. Um, luckily, though, he seems to recognize that's what that what's happening to him is like what happened to Daniel and is able to kind of like calm himself down. And Jack's so like the, he's like the only one that ever. Sorry, I totally know what to do. But he's like the only no. one that ever notices when that stuff happens to him. Like as much as weird stuff has happened to Daniel, like this whole time at no point in time is Daniel ever like something's wrong. Daniel's always like, this is how I am now. But Jack seems to always be the one that's like, ah, this isn't right. Well, if we go back to the episode need, it is very possible that Jack has been through withdrawal before. Mm, like, no. this is not the first time. It, it, I think it's highly probable this is not the first time Jack has dealt with this. Yeah, true. 
So, um, so Dr. Frazier runs some blood tests again, and we start getting some answers about like what's going on. We still don't know why, but we're getting some more answers about like what. And uh, there's apparently something on that planet that causes a reaction similar to that of increased dopamine, which results in higher neurological function. After leaving the planet, the neurological function drops, resulting in the depression-like symptoms seen in everyone after they return when the neural activity then slows down. And it like continues to slow down. It doesn't just sort of reset back to normal. Um, And this is happening to Jack, even though he was only there for a little over an hour. And the sort of withdrawal symptoms seem to be proportional to how long you were on the planet. So hopefully Jack wasn't there long enough for his symptoms to get as bad as they were with Daniel and SG-5. Also, Hammond can't get a hold of Tilk or Sam on that planet. So uh, one of Daniel's machines starts beeping. It's his EEG and uh, it's not good. This is what happened to all of SG-5 just before they died. So according to Dr. Frazier, they need to take Daniel back to the planet right now. Um, yep. Uh, they decide first to change him back into his, like, BDU clothing um, out of the scrubs. I don't know why they take the time to do that. Um, and then they're wearing like, it under the scrubs. I don't, maybe, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, I could understand, like, getting his shoes, sure, but I don't know. Anyway, um, then they're sort of, they're, like, racing through the corridor with Daniel on the gurney when he starts to code, but there's no time to stop and try to resuscitate. So they got to go right now. Luckily, the gate is already dialed in and active. So Jack just like hauls Daniel over his shoulder and up the ramp. And that is Dan Shea doing that because Michael Shanks is not a light man. That <laughs> He's like six foot of solid muscle. He's he, he that is a heavy man. Um, anyway, uh, they make it to the other side and Jack like very gently lays Daniel down on the ground. And that is Rick doing that bit. So Rick did carry Michael for a little bit, but the actual like hauling him off the gurney was Dan doing that mm-hmm. like stunt, if you will. Um, tries So Jack tries to get Daniel to like wake up. He calls for Sam and Tilk, but it's just Lauren who comes out and Jack's like, go get Sam and Tilk. And Lauren's like, they won't come. And Jack's like, try. Like Jack is getting very annoyed, even with Lauren at this point. And we do finally see Daniel start to come around. So looks like he's going to be okay. So Jack goes to approach the light room and Lauren's sort of just standing on the outskirts. And Lauren's like, I'm not allowed to go in. And Jack's like, oh, she's crying. Like, what is going on? Like, this is not, there's more urgency here. Um, And we see Sam and Tilk just standing there, staring at the light. Jack heads in, like, shakes Sam out of it, and she's quite surprised to see him back. Uh, He finally drags Sam and Tilk out and back to the gate room. Uh, So Daniel's sitting there in the gate room, but, like, slumped over with his head resting on his arms. And Tilk is very pleased to see him. And Jack tells him the theory about being addicted to something here. And Jack says, dollars to donuts, that it's that damn light. Here's my first fun fact, dollars to donuts. Where's that phrase come from? I've actually <laughs> wondered that before, but I never bothered to look it up. This is going to be fun. I looked it up. So uh, the first recorded usage can be traced back to the Daily Nevada State Journal in February of 1876. Oh, wow. When, when a, uh, a reader wrote in... Uh, saying, whenever you hear any resident of a community attempting to decry the local paper, it's dollars to donuts that such a person is either mad at the editor or is, or is owing the officer for subscription or advertising. <laughs> so it's basically like, it's a sure thing. Like, I'm betting you dollars to donuts, and the dollar is worth more than the donut, at least back then, although now 
donuts are like 99 cents at Dunkin Donuts. So I don't know if that really holds true anymore, but. Well, is it in reference to like donut food or like donut pieces of metal? Donut food. Are we sure it's donut food? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, because it's sort of betting the dollar up against the donut. Like I'm betting you my dollar to your donut. And I'm I sure. I take the donut. I'm getting my dollar. Um, donuts appar- are really good right now. It does. Dunkin' Donuts has a has a cookie butter donut. Oh my god! What? It's so, it's so good. When it's did so, that start? Just oh, recently. It's it's like their <gasps> it's one of their like winter holiday specials. Oh, oh my god! Oh, is so it like good. a gingerbread thing? Kind of. Yeah, it's like it's like a filled oh. cream donut. Oh man! Guess where <laughs> I'm going later. Dunkin' Donuts. Although apparently it's just <laughs> Dunkin' now. They've gotten rid of the donuts part, apparently. I I feel like some places are still Dunkin' Donuts and some places are Dunkin' when they mm-hmm. just have, like, coffee. Yeah. I I ours ours has yeah. been rebranded to just Dunkin'. And it oh, has, well. And like, it has donuts? Yeah. And, and Baskin-Robbins. We have one of those oh. combo ones. Yeah. They're just Dunkin' now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other similar phrases uh, in the past have included dollars to buttons, dollars to cobwebs, and dollars to dumplings, although it's believed that the dollars to donuts is the one that stuck around because humans like alliteration. That we do. That we do, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it is the the light, then how did Daniel recover by just, like, being on this planet and, like, not being in the room with the light? Good uh, question. I'm glad it was asked. Yeah, and Jack's like, that's what you're going to figure out, Sam. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it, yeah. And they kind of start arguing about things for a little bit, and Jack's trying to, like, fuck it, I'm turning it off. Like, this is, I'm done with this whole thing. We're turning it off. Um, so the three of them head back to the light room to try and find the off switch, and they're all very quickly enthralled with the light again. And Sam's like, okay, if we focus on the pedestal, we should be okay. Um we get like one of the really cool effects here where Jack kind of reaches out to touch it and the light actually has like a sort of like physical quality to it, almost like sort of like a gas or a water or something like it's not just light, like it like interacts with his hand in a way that like just light doesn't. And I just, I think it's really cool. I like it's this effect cool. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, we have a quick scene back at the SGC where Hammond is talking to Daniel over the radio and Daniel apologizes for yelling at him earlier. And Hammond's like, it's fine. Uh, and then asks, you know, if they need anything. And Daniel's like, uh, my glasses. <laughs> That'd be good. I love that. He actually asks for the glasses. <laughs> He's like, my glasses. Yeah. Um, uh, that handheld device he'd brought back and some supplies because it looks like they're going to be there for a while. Uh, cut to Daniel entering the light room and he turns it off with a device because apparently the device is a remote control and, yeah. uh, he was able to translate the writing with Lauren's help. So, uh, yeah, apparently they've, they've been standing there for quite a while. Yeah. Recall to the joke about it being the batteries. Yep. Um, so aside from the directions on how to use it, the writings on the device talk about how the ghoul would use this place like an opium den but their symbiotes were capable of keeping the human host's brain chemistry balanced when they left. So Tilk should be fine, which is good for Tilk. My other fun fact this week was I looked up opium. Oh, fun. <laughs> so did it bother you at all that when Daniel turned off the light, you know, 
he made the thing of like, okay, me and Lauren t- translated it and whatever, and led you to believe that it had been quite a while. Did it bother you at all that they had just left the rest of the group there? Just, well, like, they knew where they the were. <laughs> they knew where just, they like, were. Staring at it until it was done. I mean, I imagine if it had been long enough for like a meal time to come, I'm sure Daniel would have gone and dragged them out and been like, hey, dinner. People, dinner, let let me eat. But, you know, he, he knew where they were. They weren't really in any immediate danger. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe. Yeah, no, uh, that kind of bothered me that he was just like, no, nah, let me be fine. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing, like, until he translated it, he couldn't do anything. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, would, would, would you like to know some stuff about opium? Would I ever? Oh, God, my FBI agent that monitors my internet is going to be like... What is this girl doing? Uh, hi, Ted. Uh, anyway, all of a sudden no. just get audited, like, in every way possible this tax season. Looking, I'm looking up, like, guns and, yep. like, planes and spaceships and opium. And, and military protocols. Military <laughs> protocols. Who's on the Joint Chiefs? <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyway, I'm, I'm on totally on some list somewhere now. Like, anyway. Such a fan podcast, I swear. It's fun. Um, okay, um, so opium, it is a depressant drug uh, in the sense that it, like, depresses uh, in, in the sense of slowing down the neurological symbols from your brain to, like, the rest of your body. So they did reference the right drug to the old symptoms? <sighs> no, well, because, no, because Frazier says that the thing increased neurological activity and opium slows down neurological activity so they did not no okay so, so he just loosely threw out the term opium den yes okay um it is one of the earliest known plants to have recorded medicinal use uh there's evidence that the sumerian people were cultivating the poppy plant you know for medicinal use as far back as like 3400 bce no oh, man so, the, 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 oh, yeah, opium's been around for quite a while. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, okay. So, if the light is off, why isn't Sam feeling depressed? And so it's like, well, maybe it takes some time to, like, take full effect, which, I, I mean, duh, Sam, it's been, like, two seconds. Like, <laughs> give us some time to set in. Um, and Jack's like, well, while we have time, let's try and get some answers out of what's going on. So they go to find Lauren and ask about, like, what really happened to his parents. And all that Lauren will say is that they went far, far away. It's like, okay, how far? Which direction? And Lauren just like, won't answer. So Jack's like, Sam and Tilk, you're with me. And off they go. And uh, we see them walking along a beach with a bunch of, like, sphinx-like statues, like, lined up along the beach, which is really cool. And we see, like, the palace, like, way in the background there. And... Uh, <laughs> This is interesting. So, like, Sam kind of starts going in on Jack and about how he's going to love just, like, hanging out on the beach and doing nothing. And she's like, what does that mean? And she's like, nothing. And he's like, nothing, sir. And she's like, oh, you want me to still call you, like, sir and colonel for the rest of forever? He's like, yes, that's how it is. And she's like, there's no way that's happening. And I was like, hey, you're in withdrawal. So am I. <laughs> Something is wrong. Something is wrong. This is all right. Um, and then Tilt calls out and he believes he's found Lauren's parents who are now, uh, half buried skeletons, which like there, and like, there are definite like grave markers there. So awesome. 
You kind of had a feeling that's what it was, though. Yeah. Right. Either, yeah, either that they were dead or they, like, left him there and just never came back, you know, up like up yeah. until that point when I first, I was like, okay, they're definitely not there, but are they not there in the fact that they have died or did they, like, abandon him? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know they are dead, so... Um, back in the gate room, Daniel's looking over some of his notes and Lauren shows Daniel that picture from his parents that he'd shown to Tilk earlier and asks if he can take Daniel's image, which is cute. Yeah. Like, oh, he's cute. Um, Daniel then a- accuses, quote unquote, uh, that's not the right word. I couldn't quite, but it kind of like accuses Lauren of not being entirely truthful about the light so that SG-1 would stay because he can see on that picture, you know, he's a little kid there. So kind of realizes that Lauren's been alone here for a while. And of course he would want some company. So maybe that's why he didn't really tell them about what was going on. And like, it's fine. Daniel's not mad, but Lauren insists that's not why he didn't say anything. And uh, the rest of SG-1 then come back from their walk and they're like, oh yeah, we went through that whole withdrawal thing, which is like awesome. And Daniel's like, really? I've been fine. And Sam's like, I'm feeling better too now that we're back. Okay. So it's not just the light that's causing the addiction and withdrawal and all of that stuff. There's like something in the room, something in the room. So cool. So not only are they like stuck on the planet, they're like stuck in the palace. Great. Like we are like stuck here, like right here. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So they all head back to the light room to look at this device thing. That's there. So like what's going on? So it's not the light. It was just like entertainment sort of, Kind of to keep them distracted while something else was happening, maybe. Um, but it's not the thing that's, like, causing the neurological symptoms. And, you know, Jack asks Lauren about it. And Lauren explains he's too young for the room to have affected him, which Sam says is possible. But Jack's like, no, Fraser said his blood was the same as ours. He's just as addicted as we are. It's like, okay, so what did this do to your parents? And Lauren just says they'll explain when they get back. And Jack finally explodes. Like, they're not coming back. Like, we found your parents buried on the beach they're not coming back. You know that. Tell us what happened. Um, help us figure this out. Uh, Lauren uh, goes over to like the podium, flicks the switch or pushes the button or something, and we see like the bottom of the pedestal slide down to reveal like a power core and some buttons before he runs out of the room. Jack orders Sam to figure this all out as he goes after Lauren. Yeah. So Jack finds Lauren in his room looking at that picture of his parents. And apparently Lauren has come to think that he killed his parents. Uh, So what happened was they came here just like SG-1 did, got addicted to the light and like wouldn't leave the room, just kept asking Lauren to bring them food. And he kept trying to get them to leave. You know, like, hey, mom and dad, let's go out of here, whatever. Let's go home. And then one day he just stopped bringing them food and it was several days before they noticed and when they came out to look for him he snuck back in and turned it off like the whole thing not just the light uh and this kind of caused some kind of mental breakdown they ran outside screaming and yelling and so lauren turned the machine back on but it was too late they were too far away out in the water and he found their bodies washed up on shore the next morning that's so that's such a sad oh and he was like eight, nine when this happened. Yeah. Like, can you say trauma? Like, yeah. Oh, and, you know, Jack assures Lauren that, you know, it wasn't his fault that he was just trying to help. And again, Jack with kids is always a very touching thing. Yeah. 
But it'd make you wonder, though, why every other person that came there, he would immediately be like, no, you got to go. You can't be here. Well, I mean, do you think anybody ever went was there before SG-1 was there? Or is SG-1 the first people that have been there in eight years or whatever? Well, you think he would have told that to SG-5? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, why didn't he say anything? Yeah, they're like, no, no, you got to go. You got to go and take me with you. The light is no good, very bad. Yeah. Well, you know, he'd been alone for so long. He was probably scared and had no idea who these people were and what they wanted to do. So, mm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um. So, uh, Jack and Lauren head back to the light room, and Daniel thinks they figured out how to turn it off. And Lauren's like, oh, my God, no, don't do that. You'll die. And Sam's like, yeah, yes, if we shut it off cold turkey, we will, but... Based on what Daniel and Tilka have been able to translate, it looks like it was designed to be turned off little by little, and they can sort of wean themselves off it, and they've already, like, turned it down a notch, and everybody's totally fine. And so in, like, two to three weeks, they should be able to head home. So, cool. Two to three week vacation? How about it? Mm-hmm. What do you suppose uh, they would do for two to three weeks there? Chill on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> So Jack tells Tilk to head back to the SGC to let Hammond know what's going on since he should be fine and, like, you know, get supplies back to them. And then once they've made it through the process of, like, turning the machine down and then off, the rest of them will head back to the SGC. Yes, all of them. And uh, Jack will apparently introduce Lauren to ice cream. Yay. The Um. end. I wonder why, I mean, I'm sure in the in, in the real life, in the real world, they would have presented this option to him. But I wondered why they didn't say, we could bring you home. I mean, I'm, that may have been a discussion at some point. Who, I mean, who knows why they left their home world? I'm sure they have three weeks to get more information out of Lauren now that they're actually, like, friendly with each other. Yeah. So... I'm sure yeah. that would that would be a discussion at some point, although a, a stop at the SGC first before taking Lauren to his home planet. If he even knows what the gate address of it is, would, you know. Yeah, that's true. Because then you think it. he would have just gone home. Yeah. So there, there's okay. now uh, three aliens on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, Cassandra, Lauren, and uh, that dude from, um, with those two, con- why can't I remember his name? Uh, you know, the one with the dude and the other guy. The dude with, from Bedrosia. Who came Marty? back with Morty? No. Marty Morris. Something with an M. I don't know. Anyway, that guy. Yeah. He was apparently Daniel's assistant that we never see again. <laughs> oh, that dude. That dude. That's right. Yeah. His name was actually kind of normal, and I don't remember I it. I know. Nyan? Nyan. That's it. Nyan. Yep. Yes. So, Lauren, Nyan, and Cassandra. Yeah. And Cassandra's no, there was the also one. There was also the dude this year... Marty. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so there's four. Yes, there's four. There's four. Plus, well, four plus Marty's friends. Oh, yeah, because they just went yeah. back off into the off into um, the abyss to hide. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, man. There's way too many aliens out there now. <laughs> there are. Everybody oh, inspect your neighbors. There's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's entirely uh, possible <laughs> they're an alien. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, one final note this episode won the Leo Award for Best Production Design of a Dramatic Series that was uh, for Richard Hadolin, Bridget McGuire, Brenton Heron, Doug McLean, Ivana Vasic, Mark Davidson, and Robert Davidson. Oh, fun! Oh, so yay for them! 
Were there any fun tidbit, any more fun tidbits from the commentary on how they researched or the inspiration in the writing or anything like that? No, because this is the only episode that this writer has written, I think. Oh. Um, it's either, it's only oh, wow. like Their one Shining or two. Glory? Yeah. Um, let me see. Was it just like one or two episodes? Um, yeah, like this writer has not written, I think, anything else. For them. Let me see if I can find out for sure. Uh, yeah, nope, this is the only episode he wrote for hmm. the series. So oh, man. it was apparently way too much for him, or the other writers were like, nah, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny so. that it won awards then. Yeah. Well, production design. Right. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so the memo is just quarantine again, like always. Yes, because if they had the protocol of when you come back from a new planet, we keep you in quarantine for 48 hours and we take your blood every like six or 12 hours and monitor what's Mm -hmm. going on with you. I feel like Frazier would have been like, hmm, your dopamine levels are just crazy pants. And then, hmm, your dopamine levels have dropped significantly are you feeling okay yeah are you experiencing any agitation we should address that Mm -hmm. yep yeah okay (sighs) um episode title the light obviously it was also just titled the light everywhere else too so no fun foreign territory titles unfortunately (laughs) sad yeah Okay, um, before we wrap up this week, we have some emails. Yay! Couple of our, a couple of our listeners followed through on the homework we gave them last week about absolute power. Oh my god, fantastic. So, Give I'm it to excited me. to see this. Um, so if for some reason you missed absolute power, um, we, we uh, issued a bit of a homework assignment to let us know what you think would have happened if, uh, like what happened to Daniel, ended up happening to General Hammond or Major Carter. Because mm-hmm. those three are sort of the, the the purest of the pure, if you will, amongst the SGC members. So what would have happened if either of those two had been hit with the knowledge whammy, if you will? <laughs> hit with the knowledge stick. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so the first, first email comes from Mike, uh, titled just Absolute Power. So if Absolute Power happened to General Hammond or Carter? For General Hammond, his story was hard to think of one because he is such a good guy with little ambitions for more power. So I think Hammond would have been driven insane, similar to the episode when Daniel has Michello's ghouled killing bugs inside him and would eventually be driven to self-destruct the SGC to save the planet from what is truly waiting out there. Oh. That's interesting. That is an interesting angle that ultimately he would have self-destructed. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for Sam, I think her story would be very similar to the Age of Ultron movie. With her desire to save the planet, she would develop a planet-defending artificial intelligence, and it would eventually become sentient and would end with it becoming like Skynet and Terminator and destroying the planet. Oh. Well, okay, then that means that she didn't get corrupted. Her technology did. But did she build it in such a way that it would that that her intention was for it to do that Mm. or do you think her intentions were still pure she was just too smart and made the ai too smart for its own good her in 
her subconscious made it so that it would evolve as such. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Ooh, I like these different angles. Mike, these are cool. Yeah. Um, bonus. Uh, at the end of the episode, Rachel was creeped out by how non-emotional the bunker crew were looking in response to Daniel's command. I think this was because with the access Daniel had to Gould knowledge, Daniel actually used the mind, co- mind control technology like Ryak, Tilk, and the Seth people on all the people that worked for Daniel in his house security and bunker crew so they would just follow any of his orders. Oh, used like the, the hand device? Yeah. Oh, like he ended up somehow manipulating it so that he could use it? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. Mind control. That is interesting. That, that, would, explain, make, that would explain would make, the emotionlessness of everybody. That would, that would make much better sense than my explanation of just going to like sociopaths are us and being like, who's available? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's Mike's email. Thanks, Mike. That was fun. I like it. Thank you, Mike. Oh. Uh, next one is from our new buddy, Harry. Hello again, Harry. Uh, he says, Hey, uh, well, <laughs> I like that the title of this email is absolute power homework assignment. <laughs> do we not, do we need to start giving homework every week? No, maybe I don't not. know. You guys are way better about doing homework than I am. Like I've said I before, like Carrie does all the work and I just kind of show up. So you guys are actually doing way more work than I do at this point in time. Remember <laughs> that one episode I did, the yeah. one, and promptly um, gave it back. Okay. Uh, so he says, "Hey, at the end of Absolute Power, you asked a fantastic question. What would happen if Sam or Hammond were corrupted by the Gould knowledge, like Daniel was? Since the lesson of the episode seems to be that it's impossible to resist the memories of a million Hitlers, I don't think that Sam or Hammond would be able to resist either." Sam Sam could easily use her astrophysics tech skills to create a super weapon of some sort, probably involving the gate in a very creative way. However, I think it would be interesting if she created some sort of nanomachine virus that targeted the Gould, but secretly it could be used against specific people. Perhaps her final evil evil moment involves killing off 10% of Earth's population as a show of strength. Mm. Mm. That's creepy. Okay, so he thinks it would be more her scientific knowledge than her military protocol yes okay mm-hmm. okay i like that mm-hmm. yeah because we we have like cool nanotechnology in our possession from when it's been you know implanted in our people mm-hmm. so she could easily take that and kind of reverse engineer and tweak its coding if mm-hmm. you will that could be yeah. interesting yeah yeah um the spoiler alert, Amanda Tapping does eventually get to play an evil Sam Carter. I think it's very cool, which I just remembered. Season eight, we do get an evil Sam Carter. Oh, fun. Yes. Prize, I don't remember. Okay. I'll tell I'll tell I'll I'll give you what like I'll give you what her like fandom nickname was when we sign off and maybe it'll refresh a memory. Okay. As to what it. it is. Oh nope, got it. Got it. Because he used it in a video. I did use it in a video, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got it. Uh, okay. Um, uh, Hammond has excellent people skills and is an inspiring leader. I think that he would probably lead a military coup with the idea that to face the Gould, we must be united. But secretly, he thinks I will unite the U.S. under my leadership and then go on to unite the world. 
He could start small by consolidating military power in the SGC, telling everyone that the NID are a threat to national security or something. They could slowly grow into an unstoppable force, and eventually he could have a classic Gould, I am a god speech. Mm. At least that's my thoughts. What about you? That's an interesting way for Hammond to go. Yeah. I I really like all of these options because these were very much very different from where I had originally thought it would go. Because I, mm-hmm. I totally thought that both Hammond and Sam would just like super kick in with their military protocol and, and do, you know, we have to... Well, I guess it would be, I guess I kind of agree with, um, with Harry then with his General Hammond thing of, of, I need to save the world from itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by yeah. leading it. <laughs> by, by, by subsuming everyone under my command. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of where I thought. So I guess I'm, I'm on page with Harry. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like all this too. They're, they're, they're different, but feasible. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, it kind of depends on, like, sort of which aspect of a character's personality you, like, grab onto and what you think, how how that knowledge would corrupt that person and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. I think it's an interesting concept, too, to think about that the whole point is that absolutely no one, not one person at all, could ever handle this knowledge appropriately. Yes. Like, there is absolutely no one in existence that could nope. safely navigate the unlocking of this brain right yes and i thought that's a really interesting concept isn't it because usually they have in you know things like this there's always like but there's the one (laughs) yeah no there is no there is no one (laughs) in this scenario and yeah that's very interesting in this in this instance they're like nope absolutely nobody can handle this nah nope yeah 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 it is interesting yeah Mm -hmm. i like it all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for writing in. That was very cool. If you're listening to this, you know, some point in the future, please continue writing in and we will uh, enjoy more of your fanfics of Sam and Hammond as they try and take over the world. <laughs> I would like that. I like that very much. Uh, okay. So back to the light. Quick wrap up. What do, we, do we like it? Because as I, as I was doing research, it kind of seemed sort of half and half. Like some people really liked it. Some people were like, eh, no, not so much. So I don't know. Where, like, where do you fall on the spectrum with this episode? Um, I mean, I liked it. Um, but you know, I, I now that we're watching these all together and we've seen so many episodes where it could just be as simple as like quarantine the people when they come back. How how do you not have these protocols by now? But yeah. you know, it's TV. There's got to be yeah. some drama. There's got to be stuff. But, um, so ignoring that, um, I thought it was pretty good. I, in my personal life, I unfortunately do have experience with Mm. suicide, but I do not from a, um, addiction slash withdrawal slash depression angle. Um, my experience has unfortunately all been, you know, just depression based. So I don't know of the accuracy and or research of, what happens when you have like serious withdrawal that causes depression and or no good, very bad death. Um, yes. I would imagine it was done appropriately or as appropriately as possible. Yeah. So I didn't have any issues with how they handled that. Mm-hmm. So no, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. 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 And you? Some, yeah. Th- I think there's some nice team moments in it given even the you know the seriousness of the situation and stuff um that you know like even sam and tilk still are 
again, sort of like with absolute power, even they're not immune to whatever this addictive force is, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it gets everybody. Um, but yeah, kind of then the team, like all working together to figure it out and to, you know, figure it out safely. So everybody's okay. And like, you know, solve the problem. Mm-hmm. do and again jack with kids is always a thing i like to see because he's just he's such a dad and he never really got to be one for as long as he wanted and that's always you know sad so when he does get to be a dad i like it yeah that is yeah. that is always nice okay i like those heartwarming scenes and then at the end of the episode they all get a two to three week vacation yes and on a purely shallow note daniel's very scruffy throughout this episode and i like it a lot uh- <laughs> I I found it so enjoyable that he finally asked for his glasses. <laughs> I just, as much as we talk about glasses on, glasses off, the fact that they actually mentioned it in a script, yes. I was like, yeah, it's like they hurt me. He does need his glasses. He does. He's yeah. not Will Graham. He does need his glasses. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So now we know. Now we know. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. Perhaps this will be the first episode we try and like promote on Instagram and see how that goes now that we have some things worked out over there, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, or always by email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Prodigy. Not Firestarter one. Okay, bye. Bye.